Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome to Women on the Line, a national feminist current affairs program produced by women and gender non-conforming people at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne, on Wurundjeri country of the Kulin Nations, and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. I'm Iris Lee. Decriminalisation of sex work has been a demand of sex workers' rights movements for decades. The movement has seen a recent win with a bill for the decriminalisation of sex work in the Northern Territory passed on November 26th. Decriminalisation allows sex workers to access basic labour and rights protections, as in other sectors. This week we hear from sex workers involved in campaigns for sex worker rights, first in the Northern Territory and later in Victoria. We hear first from peer educator, sex worker reference group member, chair of Scarlet Alliance Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Working Group, Desiree August. So on the 26th of November, the bill to decriminalise sex work in the Northern Territory passed. What is the mood like amongst your peers there at the moment? Oh, very, very exciting news. Um, yes, overwhelming. A lot of, you know, good support, majority, you know, good support, family support, friend support, and, yeah, just support, you know, from strangers. What have your experiences of the campaign to decriminalise sex work in the Northern Territory been? Oh, yes, my experience has been, it's been a good one, it's been hard. Um, it's been hard, but it's been very positive, and the outcome has been positive. Awesome. What What do the changes mean, particularly for sex workers um, at the margins, particularly Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander sex workers? Well, there are a lot of you know laws that particularly target. Um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander sex workers because um, a lot of us are represented in street-based sex work and opportunistic sex work in Northern Territory. Yeah. And being targeted, yeah, by the police was a big issue. Um, However, now that you know, the outcome of the um, bill passing, a lot of the weight has lifted off the shoulders and the wariness and the stress, particularly because, you know, because it was illegal at that time doing, you know, um, street-based sex working and opportunistic sex working, um, Was yeah. illegal and especially when it and and especially when it comes to you know when we're a victim of crime, yeah. In, um, we would not um, approach the police for help because 
then we will be um, prosecuted. And, you know, we'll be, we'll, we'll be like, um, what is it? Sorry. Um, they will be incarcerated. Yeah. yeah um, yeah. Like fines and yeah, fines. Yeah. Fines and stuff like this. And of course, if you don't pay your fines, a lot of those times Aboriginal people are yeah, yeah incarcerated. Just for little things like, yeah, not paying fines. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, so these changes really mean that, like, a tool that police use to marginalise and oppress has been, like, um, that tool has been taken away from the police. And it, yeah. Yeah. And from the courts as well, you know, because when we try to bring our cases to the attention of the police and courts, we are not taken seriously. And, you know, many times we are treated as if we are the criminal. Mm. And this has been, you know, a very important time for, and a very exciting time and positive time that we can, you know, no longer live in that, especially being Aboriginal and transgender and, a sex worker, you you know, you're not only a minority, a minority of a minority of a minority. Mm. And to, you know, suppress those and hide it away from your family members and from the police. And now hopefully we can build that relationship with, mm. you know, with the police and the court systems if we are victims of crime. Mm. Yeah, it sounds like an important step to removing that anti-sex work stigma that's held in many sections of the community. Yes, that's exactly right. And yeah, in my experience with the um, in the legislative, you know, assembly of the Northern Territory and the Econo- economic policy scrutiny committee. At the public hearing in Darwin, in the Parliament House, was it was positive. There were four again, and four with us, four with the Nordic model, for mm. um, the Nordic model for sex working, and um, yeah, four against and four with us, and a lot of the times, especially like people from the Coalition Against Trafficking in Women Australia, CATWA, and the Australian um, Christian Lobby, um, they kept mentioning and saying that vulnerable Aboriginal women. And I was like, oh my gosh, you did not even consult with any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander Mm. sex workers. Yeah. And... It was pretty, you know, annoying and, you know, yeah, it was annoying that they were calling me vulnerable. The only people I was vulnerable with at that time was the police. Mm. Yeah. As a sex worker, I knew how to, I knew what I was doing, you know, with, with health and safety. I practiced very safe sex. 
all the time, you know, and um, these are things that, um, yeah, you do as you learn about as, especially when you get involved into sex working, which are, and organizations and like peer organizations, national peer organizations such as Scarlet Alliance and which a lot of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander um, sex workers are very, you know, ashamed to be even to go near there or yeah, yeah, or you know, because of the stigma around it. Mm. Yeah, so much work to be done to fight the stigma, um, and people who want sex workers in solidarity to do that. Um, what would you would you do? You have anything else to say to anti-sex work opponents about how their arguments are really grounded in not talking to people that are actually sex workers and uh and cause more harms to sex workers? Yes, exactly. They need to. They need to be more open-minded and open-hearted and get to know us as sex workers. We're everywhere. You know, a lot of, um, some of us, you know, work in a lot of, you know, working positions and, and we just do this as a part-time job for extra money to pay the bills or whatever. Yeah. And they need to be open-minded and have an understanding if they, you know, and stop the ignorance and to learn more. Yeah. That we are human beings at the end of the day. We have family as well. Yeah. For sure. What would you say to other sex worker campaigners and supporters across Australia fighting similar battles as you've fought up in Northern Territory? You have to keep fighting for, for you know, just keep fighting, keep your head up, be positive, be optimistic, and, yeah, hope for a good outcome. And it's very important to also have Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander sex workers within with with you as well to you know to be a part of it. Yeah, definitely. And that was Desiree August. Next we hear for another campaigner for sex worker rights in the Northern Territory. Women on the line. We hear first from Sex Worker Outreach Program NT Coordinator Leanne Melling, and second from Sex Worker Reference Group member Alison Woods, a reference group Leanne is also a member of. Awesome. Um, so, with this win, could you outline the significance of this decriminalisation bill, particularly as it involves the police getting out of regulating sex workers' lives in terms of yeah, regulation and the destruction of the registry. Yeah, we can. Uh, it's, uh, I was just thinking there's a few questions in that question. <laughs> um, but we could start with the, um, the police registration. So for anyone listening, um, 
one of the really um, great wins about this whole situation is that um, the passing of the bill um, um, enables the act to be developed. Um, so the regulations will be put within it, um, that there will be no police um, involvement um, that specialised because it's workers or sex work or um, sex service premises. Um, so that other businesses under the Planning Act allow um, lease entry for particular um, areas. Um, if there's serious crime or if there's um, alleged uh, exploitation or trafficking in any industry, then the Modern Slavery Act kind of kicks in. But the police registration life used to be mandatory for, um, well, it still is, but it's kind of in, in defunct situation now because nobody's registered for a long time. Mm -hmm. And the Act won't actually come into place until all those regs are um, put forth. Um, but the, it was where workers would have to register for life with the police commission, um, and that's if someone was working for an agency. Um, and now that means that the bill actually has um, quite extensive powers to now make sure that that registration is expunged for all workers who previously registered. And it moves in and out of all states and territories in Australia because actually police do disperse that information quite widely. Yeah, it's a huge win actually for sex workers. It's not something that you feel is following you around and can pop up at any moment. So it, it definitely takes um, uh, a bit of fear away, I think, from you know when that information is, is going to be found out by people. Yeah, it's been used in um, various ways over the years. And so something that um, was about legal compliance to um, register with the police for life, it was actually used in quite negative ways. So it was used in lots of um, courts of law, significantly used um, in family law court cases around custody. Um, when the OCA cards came in um, place in the Northern Territory, and that's the cards to work with children up here, um, a worker who hadn't worked for 15 years, um, who previously was a sex worker um, and registered with the police commission, put in for an OCA card and it came up as a flag of a criminal offence in a police check for the card. And uh, she had to talk to her boss and say, well, actually, that's not an offence. That's actually legal compliance and I did the right thing under the law and it's just really put me in a compromising position. And to fight that, which she did, which forced the police to take, um, to look at, at the Police Integrity Commission to look at a lot of the ways that information was stored or sent out, she had to actually disclose to her um, then-adult children um, and uh, let them know that um, she had worked. And, uh, yeah, it did really affect her family uh, unit at the time as well. Awesome. Thanks for those answers. Um, what do the limitations on advertising mean in, in the bill and what would you see as an alternative to that? Um, well, the advertising um, as it stands at the moment, so it's, it's not criminalised. Um, it's still full secret. It's just an extra um, regulation at the moment. So um, it's the same as... Uh, Another business with non-compliance, like, um, but it's, it's still unnecessary, and we're still working to have that 
removed. Um, it really does add um, just an extra um, layer of the, the, the stigma that we're trying to fight against, which is that sex work is a job like any other. And so removing that will reinforce that more and more. Yeah, and it's a direct lift um, out of the previous regulation or the current one that's still in place, um, which is being repealed under the bill. But when the Act comes into place, the whole um, previous bill will start regulation, which is known as the Prostitution Regulation Act, will be defunct. Um, but they are keeping the regulation in the bill for advertising. Um, we we fought quite hard to have that taken out and argued that it's a reg and it should be um, put in with the other regs, not a standalone statement within the bill. However, it doesn't affect that it is still for decrim. Um, but we are able, we will continue to fight to get that out and we will um, address that with the regs as well. We did actually offer the Economic Scrutiny Committee um, an alternative and one of the things about decriminalisation, of course, and the regulations is that regulations need to align with the state and territory laws and also the intersecting national um, regulations as well, um, so like Fair Work Act, etc. Plenty of other um, Work Health and Safety Act, um, for example. But we um, did quite a bit of um, consultation with each other um, and utilise the expertise of Start Alliance as well. And we met with um, different um, occupational health and safety um, personnel as well. Um, and we had, we proposed advertising standards that would be in um, compliance with the national standards for code of ethics under the Australian Advertising um, Association. So, um, and it's quite... If we break it down, we gave examples. So um, the industry practice for managing and portrayal of people, industry practice for marketing and digital platforms, um, and that it would be around um, ad standards and um, any complaints could go to the ad standards community panels. Um, and kind of practices as well at this national level with um, advertising and or marketing and communications with the Code of Ethics um, enables um, community to go through quite an easy platform if there's an issue. So, for instance, there was an, the Antiparents Ad, which is pretty well known. There was a complaint um, uh, to the Australian Association. Um, so the Australian Association of National Advertisers, actually. So there was a complaint to them that the Antiparents Ad was too provocative because the ants were crawling all over the person's clothes and undies or something, um, but that got ruled as okay. However, the ad where the lips jumped off the man's, um, uh, the a person's lips and started crawling across the floor to suck on a beer somewhere, that was ruled um, unethical. So these are the kind of um, ways and platforms that we were promoting that could be put forth because sex workers need to be able to advertise like anybody else and importantly, under fair work, um, when people apply for positions in any industry, they need to know what the job is before they're... Um, yeah, they need to have transparency before they're actually going to decide whether they go to an interview for a job as well. And part of that is being able to advertise that there's a position available. And if it's a receptionist or a cleaner even, not even just a sex work position within a, um, 
a parlour or an agency or a brothel, for instance, or even a, with a collective of workers, you need to know what the conditions are, um, what the contract is, and also what the award is, because fact workers don't have an award, and that's not a problem. We work that out pretty well between us. But, you know, receptionists, cleaners, and drivers and managers of businesses should have an award, because there's a, a national award for them. Mm, yeah, and on touching on another thing in terms of the campaign, in terms of solidarity, what sort of solidarity and support was crucial to getting the decrim vote up? Having um, the minister's um, leadership on this was actually really crucial. Um, the Honourable Natasha Biles was... Um, Hugely instrumental in driving this. Um, what do you think, Leanne? Who would you? Absolutely. And, um, you know, for two and a half years, sex workers have um, met with um, the, um, the, the Attorney General, Honourable Natasha Pyle, um, said stories. Some people on the phone, some people face to face. And, and um, also, uh, sex workers have met um, and worked really hard with stakeholders in the Northern Territory. We've had a lot of support, um, certainly from our families and friends and from each other. Hours of voluntary work, um, start alliance. They cannot emphasise um, the alliance, the members of the alliance, including the member organisations, so um, across Australia. And, and as you're calling from Victoria, you know, our main referral there is the Victim Collective. Um, and seeing in South Australia and Magenta and Swear in WA and uh, respecting King Queensland and decreeing Queensland. Anyone listening in Facebook <laughs> about there, this is where you go. Swap New South Wales. Um, yeah, so, um, and Tassie, there's Scarlet Tass down there as well. Oh, I've forgotten any of the members at um, the moment. There's also yeah. been a very huge public um, support. Touching base. Yes. There has been huge public support um, and that's really been important, you know, they, they were listening to their constituents and they enacted change that reflected what the general population wants, which I think is important. That's right. And um, also, I just want to plug out the Debbies there as well as another um, member. Um, but I think, you know, that in the Northern Territory itself, but, um, and in our press release, we really did note the key stakeholders that have um, come on board for full decrim. Um, so it's the Honourable Natasha Files and, and the whole government, but um, in particular, um, Sandra Nelson, the MLA to Catherine, mm-hmm. has been significant in this process. Mm-hmm. Our reference group, the Sex Worker Reference Group, which, which we've um, been a part of, um, Scarlett, uh, Labor women were very significant mm-hmm. in this process. We had a number of motions over the years. Um, uh, unions NT, United Workers Union, who previously were United Voice, they put up many of the motions and were seconded by the Australian Services Union. Um, and in our um, organisations around Australia, sex worker organisations, many sex workers, like in my position, in the coordinators and outreach positions, are already members of the Australian Services Union as well. Um, Non-Territory Working Women's Centre, of the collaborative um, non-territory women's legal services, which is pretty integral because it's Central Australia, Catherine and Topin Women's Legal Services. Um, Law Society, Family, uh, Family Planning NT, Anti-Discrimination Commission, and, I mean, we can't really thank the Department of the Attorney-General enough. Mm-hmm. Like, advisors and lawyers have just been fantastic. And I think, 
know, it, it's also um, it's all about safety at work, but it's it's also um, you know support from NTARC and AFAO, the AIDS funded organisation of Australia, and um, you know Scarlett's a peak member of them as well. But I mean, we can't really kind of thank people enough for um, for staying on message with us. You know, every time someone say, "Well, what about this compromise?" You know, we we're like, "No." This is the way we're going, and people would understand and get on board. We just kept kind of momentum up that way, I think. Mm. And in terms of momentum, do you see this as potentially setting momentum for other states despite setbacks in like South Australia this year? Um, do you see, well, yeah, what would you say to other people in a similar position to you fighting similar fights to what, have, what you have been fighting? Um, it's a really great sign. It's a great start. Um, it's a great platform for them to use, to jump off from. They've been doing their own work for decades as well. And I think this is a sign that the tide is turning, at least. There are people in government willing to listen to what sex workers have to say, but they're also willing to listen to what the general public wants and supports as well, which is sex worker safety and rights. Um, so definitely they should keep fighting the good fight, which they will always be doing, um, and they have done for a very long time. And, yeah, I think this is a great a great start to, you know, maybe places all around Australia, Victoria, Queensland, South Australia, um, getting on board with DCRIM as well. I think it's time. It's well past time, and I have complete faith in the workers of those yeah, and I think it's um, I think it's also a really good example of the way that the engagement has happened. You know, like um, I know in other states and territories, there's a little bit of factionalising in unions. Um, you know, collaboratively supporting sex workers' rights. Most unions are on board. Up here in the Northern Territory, every single um, union, straight up from the um, unions NT. Um, was definitely on board with us and supported pathways for us to put motions up within the conference as well. Women on the line. But I think the message I, that you'd like to leave everyone to think about, and it's really a message for, um, you know, um, a lesson of engagement really, is that we were allowed to lead and sex workers across Australia had the same message that we have up here. It's a collective message that's been formed carefully over years on a national level with input from members, individual members and organisations who are members of Scarlet um, to make sure that all of the areas are covered where no worker is left behind, where there's no um, room to add and embellish personal ideas on what should happen, where it's a collective agreement that says what full decrim means. Each state and territory has different laws, so of course it's going to look different. But the message is the same. So when there's proposed amendments to a bill that's full decrim, and it's, and the sex worker organisation that says no, collectively that's not what sex workers want. So South Australia is a good idea um, example. Since said we don't want amendments. So what happens is that different politicians will look for someone else to find who's a sex worker and go, what do you think? And that's how amendments get through. I would say to ministers, um, health ministers and to attorney generals, 
keep the message the same. Let sex workers lead and collectively lead. You are listening to Leanne Melling and Alison Woods. Further on November 27th, the Victorian government announced an inquiry towards decriminalisation of sex work in Victoria. I spoke to Jane Green on that day, a spokesperson for peer sex worker organisation in Victoria, Vixen Collective, about the implications of the inquiry in Victoria and a recent protest. Yeah, as much as we know so far. Um, so just after nine o'clock this morning, um, the Minister for Consumer Affairs, which is Marlene Carew, um, and uh, Member of Parliament Fiona Patton held a joint press conference and announced an inquiry into sex work laws in Victoria. Um, now, this isn't an inquiry into how we should do sex work regulation. Um, it's a review in line with Victorian Labor Party policy, um, and Victorian Labor Party policy supports the called criminalisation of sex work in Victoria. So it's not a debate about what we'll be having in terms of sex work regulation, but it's a ba- debate about um, how and when we'll be getting the full criminalisation of sex work in Victoria. Um, it's been set a six-month time frame to come back with a report um, to the Minister's office, so that's to um, the Minister of Consumer Affairs' office. Um, we haven't yet seen the terms of reference for the inquiry, um, but um, we expect to see them shortly. Um, as soon as I can get my hands on them, <laughs> obviously I'd like to do that. Um, but we have been up this afternoon and spoken um, to Melanie Cruz, um, which was great, and we certainly appreciate the opportunity um, that the Minister um, gave us to do that. Um, and we've got a very clear um, sense from the Minister um, that this is about supporting the welfare of our community um, and that there is an open line of communication to government for our community. And so I think it's really about looking forward to getting Decon on the move in Victoria. Um, and look, this has been a long path for sex workers of advocating for the political criminalisation of our work over many, many years. Um, and certainly uh, I've been here in Victoria and working with Vixen for eight years. Vixen has been advocating on this path for 14 years and Victorian sex workers have been advocating for this for decades. Yeah, decades of work have gone into um, pushes for sex work decriminalisation. Um, what would a best-case scenario mean in terms of the positive effects for sex workers? So many things. Um, I think we've been very firm with government, um, and I've spoken um, to other media outlets today. This is about the full decriminalisation of our work. Um, it's something that we really need people to understand. Um, there's been talk about the New Zealand model um, or the New South Wales model. Neither of those models are for the criminalisation. Um, both of them have serious flaws, um, particularly in the case of New Zealand um, in regard to migrant sex work um, that remains criminalised. Um, in regard to New South Wales, there's serious flaws in terms of the support of street-based sex workers. So it's really about that focus on full decriminalisation and the need for government and all parties in government to hear the voices of our community and to work in partnership with the peer representative organisations of our community because it's our responsibility as peer organisations to raise the voices of our community. 
and particularly to raise the voices of those most marginalised in our community. Um, and in Victoria, that's Lix and Collective, and at a national level, that's Pilot Alliance, which is the peak body for sex workers in Australia. Yes, very important for um, non-sex workers to listen to those peer organisations for sex workers. Um, also, recently, Vixen held a protest and supporters held a protest at the, the AGM of Project Respect, which is funded by the Andrews government and is known to have quite strident anti-sex work views. Could you outline some of your significant concerns with the organisation? Yes, absolutely. Um, there's a long history of pro- protesting that organisation in Victoria. Um, Project Disrespect, as it's called by Victorian workers, um, has been a proponent of the Swedish model, uh, sometimes called the Nordic model, uh, and that's a model that criminalises uh, sex work. Although it's often um, marketed as criminalising clients, it actually criminalises a lot of surrounding activities of sex work. Um, and when any part of our work is criminalised, it criminalises us. Um, it's been shown in a report recently out of France um, because it has unfortunately been exported from Sweden to other countries um, to seriously undermine the safety of workers um, and to um, make workers less able to reach out for assistance to police, um, which is a significant concern. And look, that's a concern here in Victoria as well. Um, and Vixen's done a lot of work around that in terms of access for workers to police as victims of crime um, and access to justice in the courts. And I think essentially a lot of the issues we face in, in the past of criminalisation are labour rights issues, but it's, it's important to note these are safety issues for our community as well. Yes, for sure. Um was there anything else you wanted to add on that, on the labour rights, how this sex work decriminalisation is about um, restoring labour rights to sex workers that are given to workers in other sectors? Well, I mean, in, in terms of labour rights overall, I think one of the things that I've said over and over to people today, and I was actually speaking at um, a symposium um, earlier today and got asked this very question, is that this is a time when we have this inquiry of great um, opportunity for our community, but it's also a time of great risk. Um, And what I mean by that is it's a time when government needs to be listening to our community and listening to sex workers' voices, but it's also a time when other parties are trying to intrude on this process and trying to drown out the voices of our community. And what I mean when I say that is the voices of other parties in the sex industry um, who see very much the full criminalisation of our work as eroding the power and control they have over workers. And they're right, it will. Um, we want greater power over our work and over our workplaces. Um, and sex industry business and interests don't want workers to have that. Um, and so I think there is a, a real concern that sex industry businesses and um, bosses in the industry will seek to interfere in that process and to override the voices of workers. And that's why it's so critical that vo- voices of workers need to be prioritised in that space. 
Um, but I also think we've seen very clearly in other processes um, and inquiries in Australia that the um, voices of people that oppose sex worker rights and oppose the idea of sex work itself, so anti-sex work groups, and whether they oppose sex work on moral grounds and religious organisations, for example, seek to, again, override the voices of workers um, or people who identify themselves as radical feminists, again, seek to override the voices of workers. Uh, That's so dangerous. At the end of the day, we're the people that have to go to work um, and we should be heard. Um, It's just fundamental. And if we're not, then it's detrimental to our safety, to our labour rights, to our health. Um, And if we're not heard, then we're going to have to go back to work in those conditions. And that's not okay. Not at all. Um Thanks for your time. Unless there was anything else you wanted to add? Um, It's absolutely critical um, to have the support of allies in this fight, and it is a fight. I would strongly encourage people to join us and support us. Uh, Reach out to Vix on social media. Follow us on Twitter. Our contact details are on our website. Um, We are an unfunded organisation. We are the only state in Australia that does not have a funded peer-based service for sex workers. Um, You can donate us money to help us in this fight. We won't say no. But also support is just essential. Please um, think about getting in contact. If your organisation hasn't signed on to formally support DCRIM, contact us and we'll tell you how to do that. And that was Jane Green from Vixen Collective, which you can find a link about Vixen and how to support in the show notes. Women on the Line is a national feminist current affairs program. It's produced and presented by a range of women and gender non-conforming broadcasters from 3CR in Melbourne on Kulin Nation's land and broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network with funding support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The theme music for Women on the Line is Slideshow at Free University by Litigra. Women on the Line programs can be downloaded at www.3cr.org.au forward slash women on the line. We'd love to hear your comments or thoughts about the program, so please send an email to womenontheline at gmail.com or give us a call at 3CR on 03 9419 You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. I'm Iris Lee. Tune in to Women on the Line next week on your community radio station. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.